As we said two weeks ago, uh, this is the only speech, that the one that was read to us today, is the only speech recorded by Luke in the Acts of the Apostles that was made to Christians. All the other speeches that are recorded there um, were made to others. To A lot of them were evangelistic, to the Jews, when Paul was in synagogues or speaking to the Jews, or sometimes to the Gentiles in, in the marketplace and other places. Other speeches were in court as a defense. But here, Paul is speaking directly to the church. And so I think we must listen to him this morning. The Christian church is important. When we can't meet together, we miss it, don't we? As we said last week and other weeks, and we're not able to meet together as we normally do. There's nothing quite like this experience for Christians to come together with other people of God to worship and listen to God's word. And in the early church there, they had different people that would lead the church. There were pastors who were described as like shepherds looking after the flock. And there's elders who were leaders. And it's interesting, these words are both plural. It's not just one person. It's a team of people specifically and suitably gifted and trained. A person could be both, a pastor and an elder. And Paul encouraged these pastors and elders to look after themselves, then to look after the flock, which of course is the church. And although Paul's message here, as I said, is specifically directed to the pastors and the elders, it's a message for all Christians. It tells us all how we should conduct ourselves as Christians, and so we should look at it. Paul was at this time changes his coat almost. Normally we think of Paul the evangelist, don't we? And we've read all the way through Acts how he went into all these towns preaching the gospel. But here now we have Paul the pastor bringing the church together to encourage them and to build them up. And this section, is, as we know there, is known as Paul's farewell to the Ephesians. And we looked at the first part of it last week. It really falls into three parts. Paul's personal testimony, uh, which we looked at before. And then today we'll look at his instructions to the elders and then the prayer at the end. But just let's recap very briefly. He talked about how he came with humility. He came in tears. He was diligent in his preaching. He had been there for three years, preaching day and night, he said. He spoke directly. He didn't mince his words, we would say. He spoke the whole gospel, the good news as well as the bad news, and he spoke in depth. And sometimes when we compare that list, as we said last time, to our own feeble efforts, we see how weak our own testimony is at times. We have all the resources that Paul had. And we should use them in our testimony to God's glory. And then he painted different pictures of his ministry. He said he was a bit like an accountant, a bit like a runner, a bit like a steward, a bit like a witness, a bit like a herald, a bit like a watchman. And he was describing all that he had done in, that, uh, in his time there in Ephesus. And now he comes on more specifically 
to instructions to the elders here. And he says two things to them really. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock. He is saying they must look after themselves and look after the church, the people that they've been allocated. He warned them that they were about to be in danger from wolves, as he described it, meaning false teachers that were going to come. And Paul knew that that would happen. It happened in many other places where Paul had been. False teachers came along behind him and they were saying that... um, the things that Paul told you, some of them weren't correct. They were saying, well, Paul didn't tell you everything. You've got to add other things back onto this again. They'll come and distort the message that he had taught. And uh, we must remember that these early believers were in some difficulty because they didn't like us. They didn't have the scriptures. They didn't even have New Testament. They would have their Old Testament scriptures, but not the New Testament scriptures, which hadn't really been written and formalized at that point. They may have had little bits. We have less excuse now because we've had uh, a long time to think about them. We've had lots of very clever people using their wisdom to tell us about the Word of God as well as having the Word of God itself in our own language, in our own in words that we can read. But Paul tells them the job of the shepherd or the pastor is to feed the sheep and to protect the sheep. Feed the church, the flock, and to protect the flock. How are the pastors to do that? The pastors are to feed the believers by teaching them. But call, teaching them what called Paul call. Paul called the true gospel. As I said, he had spent that three years teaching them day and night. His teaching was thorough. As we said, he told them the good things, the bad things. He held nothing back. He was sure that what he had taught was correct and complete. And so that's what they must do as well. He's saying, do the same as I did. Teach the people from the word of God that I have passed on to you. And he said too that the pastors are to protect the people from error. He was warning them of error. Paul was saying these wolves are coming. And others would come and lead them into beliefs and into other practices which were not scriptural. And it would lead the church to becoming ineffective. And there were indeed these people came into the church at Ephesus Uh, and called some of them to be led astray. And that's why Paul had to write some of his letters. He wrote a letter to the Ephesians, telling them some of the errors of their ways. And so we don't like to be negative at times, do we? We always want to be positive. But there is a place for saying that some things are not right. These things that you're doing are not right. These things that you believe are not right. These things that you're saying about your Lord and Saviour are not right. If they're not in accordance with God's word, then they should not be part of the church and should not be part of the Christian life. And that's still true of us today. If I or anyone else here today says things that are different to the word of God, they should be challenged. 
and should that error should be taken out of the church. There are some Christian pastors who have been specifically called to defend our faith in the light of false teaching that comes along. And it's good that we have them. The, the presentation of their teaching is sometimes called apologetics. And you can find many books on different subjects that will help us. They set out arguments to refute false doctrines and to encourage Christians only to hold on to the truth revealed in Scripture. You Many will remember with the privilege of meeting people like John Blanchard, who has spent his life doing that sort of job. He's helped the church here and elsewhere to hold on to the things that are right. Uh, people have written many books to argue and demonstrate what is right and wrong. We're very privileged to have that. And we should make use of their wisdom as we are able. As I said, Paul had to write back to these elders in, uh, in Ephesus because they were, had gone astray with some of the teachings that had come in afterwards. Perhaps they should have listened more carefully to the things that Paul has been saying. And then Paul sets out dangers that can cause us to be susceptible to getting things wrong. We don't have time to look at all of them this morning, but I'll make a start just with a couple and then just mention the others. He says there should be no carelessness. He says, be on your guard, guard yourselves. We have responsibilities to ensure that we are right with God at all times, that we are living in a way that's consistent with his word. How are we to do this? It's quite interesting, I think, in this chapter here, we have that, just that one sentence. I think Paul expanded that out when he was writing to young Timothy. Uh, and we've got that in 1 Timothy 4 and 12. He sets out a lot more details about how a young man like Timothy should live. And he says, set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. I think that's a really an expansion on what he's saying there to the elders here. Be on your guard. There's a challenge for each of us. We need to guard our speech, what we say. Guard our lifestyle, what we do in both public and private. Guard our relationships, how we treat each other. We must show love and not hatred or even indifference. To guard our faith, what we believe. We must have faith in what the scripture says. Faith that's inspired by the Holy Spirit and results in a vision for the church. Faith that is headed towards Christ and his coming kingdom. And we're to guard our purity how we live in family relationships. We must, for instance, show that we value the marriage vows that we take. And all these things and others, we need to be careful and be on our guard. Don't be careless with what we believe and how we behave. Shepherds cannot be careless with their flock, especially when the flock is the church. 
of Jesus Christ. And as Jesus and as Paul quotes Jesus saying there, he bought the church with his own blood. The church that he bought with his own blood. He said, you cannot be careless with that. And he's saying the same to us today here. So he says, don't be careless. Don't be shallow. Now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. We must spend time with the word of God, the Bible. We must spend time in prayer to enrich us, to build ourselves up. I've come across many Christians who have not progressed beyond a Sunday school knowledge of their faith. Some have gone on in their lives to be highly educated, hold responsible positions, but they've left their knowledge of their faith at the primary school level. Yes, it's good to have a simple faith, but we do live in a complex world and God has given us brains, God has given us the ability to look at his word, to listen to his word, to assess his word. And there's no excuse really for shallowness. We need a good grounding in the scriptures so that we have a depth of knowledge and understanding. And that, if we have that depth and knowledge, we'll not be overwhelmed by the false teachings that come along. And also we'll be able to give an account of our faith to others. We must not be shallow. We need to be sure of our faith so that we don't stray into these false doctrines that come along from time to time. We need to be sure of our faith so that we're not corrupted by the lifestyles of others in our societies, in our society, ways that are different to the Word of God. If we know what the Bible says, then we're better prepared to live the Christian life in a sometimes godless and corrupt society. That's why we meet during the week, particularly in Bible studies. That's just not a good time to get together. It is good to get together. But we're there to open God's Word, to look at it in more detail, to ask questions. And I would encourage you, if you've not been at these before, to come and join us, even in Zoom just now, and hopefully not too long we'll be able to meet again in person. Paul says, do not be shallow. Look at the Word of God. I've not time to go into all the others there that Paul deals with, just mention them. He talks about covetousness. Uh, I have not coveted anything, anyone's silver or gold or clothing. Paul does, was no doubt thinking of all these wonderful things he had seen in Ephesus. But Paul, had, elsewhere he talks about the great treasure he had found in Jesus Christ. And so nothing else compared with that. We've always tempted at times, aren't we, to look at what others have got and what we want. And that covetousness can lead to uh, not only uh, disobeying the command not to covet, but also can lead us into other sin as well. He tells us not to be lazy. You yourselves know that these hands of mine have supplied my own needs and the needs of my companions. We need to work hard and not be lazy. As we work hard, we, um, we earn money. We're able to give to help God's work and continue to expand. As a Christian, 
There's no excuse for laziness. Selfishness. In everything I did, I showed you that this kind of hard work, we must help the weak, remembering the words of Jesus himself, it's more blessed to give than to receive. True means, true ministry means giving, not getting. And that's what he was saying to these elders there. So in all these things, Paul is passing on these instructions of how these elders and these Christians in Ephesus should behave, what they should believe, and they are useful to us today. He finishes with a prayer for them. Now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Paul is now saying it's, it's over to the elders. Paul was leaving them. And all he could do was give them over to the mercy and the grace of God. God would keep them. God would encourage them. God would build them up. Paul was not going to be with them. He knew that they could, but he knew that he could rely on the mercy and the grace of God to keep them in the right way. Paul was saying, you'll not always hear my voice, but you must have the voice of God in your hearts by the Holy Spirit, which will build you up in your faith. God alone would be the source of their confidence. Paul, of course, as he went away, would remember them and continue to pray for them as we should for each other. We must pray for our church. Pray for God's grace and his mercy. God's grace and God's mercy on all Christians, but especially in our local fellowship here. Pray for each other. And pray that we may have God's wisdom, God's integrity to live our lives and especially we should pray these things for the leadership of the churches so that they may guard themselves and guard the flock that God has given to them. May we do that as we meet together again in, in midweek particularly when we remember each other and remember our fellowship and other things together. So may God give us grace to do these things as we meet together. Let's pray.